Hey, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. Our guest today is Bernie Lund, and he literally took a leap of faith when he started his real estate journey. And what's cool about it, he's a pastor. I think he's the only one we've had on the show that's actually a pastor. And his story is really, really interesting. You don't really think about people who are pastors getting into real estate, becoming financially free. And that's exactly what Bernie has done. And we want to know how he did it. How did he fit it into his, his busy schedule? How did people take him seriously when they don't know him as a real estate investor, but a pastor? Super interesting story. I think you're really going to love it. I want to give a shout out to M. Vertson, who gave us a, a, a review on Amazon for The Yellow Book. What a great book. It breaks down all of the steps to purchase your first cash flow property and gives a ton of resources to draw from. The book contains many nuggets for a successful venture. Thank you for that. Mr. and Mrs. Virgin, appreciate that. If you have not done so, read The Yellow Book. It's called Financial Freedom with Real Estate, same title as this podcast as well. It gives you really a great insight into what this world of syndication looks like. If you do enjoy the show, leave us also a review on iTunes. We'd love to shout that out as well. Our weekly success highlight is Daniel Riley, who closed on a 216-unit in Des Moines, Iowa, $16.5 million purchase price. And he did work with a mentor. His name is David Camara. The mentor is still with us today. He used to be one of our students, actually, and did a deal, did two deals, did three deals, quit his job, and he's you know, wildly successful as hundreds of units, and now is giving back as well. If you're interested in mentoring, check out our mentoring program. It's at dmichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. And we really provide mentorship for any level that you are at. If you haven't done a first deal, we're going to help you do your first deal. We're going to help you quit your job. If you've done a few deals, you want to 10x your capital raise, we're going to help you figure that out as well. So we're basically here to support you in getting to 1,000 units and above. Uh, check us out at michaelblank.com forward slash mentor. And let's just have a conversation. That's really all that is. So with that, Let's bring in our co-host, Garrett Lynch. Garrett, what's on your mind? I got some on my mind, Michael. So, oh, boy. Oh, no. Yes. Yes, I do. Sounds serious. It is serious. But <laughs> I want to ask you a question. So how important it is, is it in this business that you have support? And what kind of support should you have? Well, so I know that in hindsight right now, I know how to answer that question now, but People always say, well, what did you do so I can follow you in your footsteps? And I was like, man, I'm a, consider me the crash test dummy of financial freedom. Basically, you don't want to do whatever I did. And what I did was basically not have the right level of support. And so I got in the restaurant business and at the time had a bunch of money from the software IPO from the early 2000s, read Rich Dad Poor Dad and plowed it into the restaurants. That was my financial freedom. It did work for a little while, but I did it all by my own. I didn't know how to deal with buying the right franchise. I didn't know how to deal with the recession that came. And I, I just couldn't deal with adapting and then finally extricating myself. And as a result, lost everything in that giant debacle. Fortunately, I was able to find a mentor while this was going on. And he basically talked me off the ledge many different times and really helped me through that process. I should have met him four or five years earlier because he probably would have talked me out of it, or at least talked me into another concept, or talked me into structuring it differently, a variety of other things that I'd, I've done. You know, in comparison, when I started flipping houses back in 2005, I had a mentor. And the first postcard campaign I sent out, I got two deals, and I'm like a genius. 
right? And those were wildly successful in a short period of time. And I'm just looking back at myself and now so many people around us, every time you have support, you avoid the bigger mistakes and you get to your goal faster. So it's one of those things where if you can afford it or any, like, let's say you have $25,000 invested in real estate. People ask me, you know, would it be better I just invest in real estate, put in a syndication or buy a rental? I always say no, invest it in yourself because educating yourself, you get at least a 10x ROI. That's what I'm looking for. If I'm going to buy a course or seminar or I'm hiring a coach, you know, and I'm paying whatever I'm paying for, I'm paying $50,000 a year for this coach who's going to get me to the next level. Okay, that's a big investment, but I want at least $500,000 back in my lifetime. Right. So that's kind of what you're looking for. And so I think setting up the support right from the beginning is is critical, especially in this business, but really anything that that you want. Yeah. Thinking back on my experience as well, I, I really needed someone to help me with the roadmap. And I I don't know what trajectory I would have been on without the time it was really just a, my friend who knew real estate really well. And then we ended up working together. And that roadmap of when you you bump into something, you, you know you are able to figure it out faster. I think that's so important when it comes yeah. to having that kind of support. Absolutely. Thanks for the question, Garrett. So let's get on an interview here with, with Bernie. And Bernie is a pastor and real estate investor, which is very confusing. But so technically, he's actually done a couple deals and he's financially free. He could have quit his job because his real estate income has exceeded his current income, which is bizarre. But he doesn't want to quit his job because his occupation is also his calling in life. So let's find out what financial freedom means to him. But even more importantly, how in the world did he set this up on the side while being a full-time pastor, getting others, investors, and by the way, his other investors are fellow pastors. Why would they take him seriously? Why would brokers take him seriously? And what did he do to get into his first deal and get this into his situation? Let's find out more from Bernie Lund. Bernie, welcome to the show today. Awesome. Good to be here. Thank you, Michael. So I think you're the first pastor I've had on the show to uh, on the show ever. Certainly one that's essentially financially free. We talked about this because we saw each other at Dealmaker Bootcamp a few weeks ago, and I grilled you on this a little bit. And you're like, "Wait, Michael, I I don't have no intention of quitting my job." And of course, I was like, "What are you talking about? Of course you do." <laughs> so first of all, explain to, explain to us why you embarked on this real estate journey. Like, what's the problem that you were having, right? And you're like, oh, I know, I could solve real estate. Like, what? why did you get into real estate? What's behind that? Great question. I've discovered this, as you have, that everyone pretty much has a problem that gets into real estate. And my problem was money, of course. But to give a little bit of backstory on that, basically, my wife and I, we had been on staff at our church for, let's see, about five or six years and just kind of grown in our faith and in our spiritual development. And we've been giving very heavily through our church to the cause of missions. And I just throw it out there just so everybody knows what we're talking about. You know, clarity is more important. We were giving about 30% of our income to the cause of Christ through tithes and offerings and missions giving and things like that. And so we really enjoyed that. That may not be a lot for some people, but for us, it was a lot. We were living in Southern California, had a mortgage, had three kids under the age of well, now I have a seven, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Me and my wife have those kids. And so young family and a full-time job. And we basically said, we've got to take care of our future. We either have to stop giving as much or we need to find some way to increase our income. And so we opted for the income route and it seems to have worked out. All right. So how did you go about this thing, right? Because you said you have a full-time job 
your your pastor, you have demands on time, like most people working a full-time job, really. And how did you get yourself into real estate? Because, you know, 100% of people do this on the side. Everybody says, oh, I don't have the time for it. How did you find the time or how did you actually get the process of getting into real estate? What was your what was your initial plan and maybe how did, how did it change? My initial plan was to follow some friends of ours into single family rentals. Sure. And we actually did that. So we, in 2019, we had four single family homes in Augusta, Georgia, and it was a little different from the path our friends had followed, but we went that direction. It seemed to be working great, but then we ran the numbers and we realized that, okay, now we've used up all our capital. It's a saving game. So we wait and save, then buy again, then wait and save. And over time, your, your timeline gets less. And we said, that's too slow. That's not what we want to do. And about that time, I had become an addict kind of for bigger pockets. And I heard your podcast on bigger pockets and I was hooked. And so this is actually kind of a, a dream of mine that I didn't even know I had to be on your podcast. It's pretty awesome. And I probably listened to 30 or 40 episodes. And long story short, we basically decided to do it on our own at first. And so I spent about three months trying to apply all your principles. And I got super scared. And I just said, you know what? I cannot afford to make a life-changing mistake. I could set my family back financially by a decade. And so I'm going to go the mentorship route. And we began to explore mentorship and ended up doing that with you. So I was the same way. The only difference between you and I is I actually did stuff that set me a decade back. And I didn't go to the mentorship route back when I got in the, in the restaurant business. Man, that a mentor back then would have really helped. And you're like, oh, man, I'm into this for a few weeks. This is, yeah, I don't want to make the big mistakes. I need a little bit of help. And you chose to work with basically, well, with us as an organization, but also specifically with someone who has, it was a full-time syndicator. They've already quit their job. They have hundreds of units. And, and so what value did you find now in hindsight with a mentor? So it, it was a good idea at the time, but now that you've gone through it and you've done a few deals, how important was that? It was super important. I, uh, To be honest, I, I really couldn't have done it without you and your team, Michael. And I've said it to you personally, but I guess publicly, just like to say thank you for investing in the masses at large like us because you could just go out and do your thing and you don't have to provide this mentorship and these programs to help folks but i've me and my family benefited immensely and we appreciate it back to your question if i remember right like what was the value of the mentorship yes uh, what's what specifically helped so i appreciate the kind words but what specifically helped get you into your first deal and then possibly do another another about working with someone who's basically done this a few a few times Sure. I would say the two major aspects of getting into my first deal, which you say is vitally important, and it is, were one, I, it gave me confidence, confidence that I did not have going into it. I'm a pastor. I felt like I was doing what God wanted me to do, even in this real estate venture. But it was hard because I have no background in that. I didn't know about real estate at all until I was 40 years old. And so really being with a mentor like Drew Whitson, just gave me immense confidence that I could go out there and kill it. And if I messed up, someone would be there to uh, at least catch me or pick me up and dust me off. And uh, the second aspect was honestly having access to the people and organizations that make things happen in this industry, attorneys and CPAs and just all the different pieces of your team that you have to assemble it would have been a hard grind without Drew kind of paving the way saying, hey, 
here's who I use, here's who I recommend, here's a couple options. And it really just kind of shortcutted the whole process. So confidence and the access to a, an existing network, those are absolutely critical. So tell us a little bit about your about your first deal. Was that a pretty simple deal to do or what did you have some twists and turns on on the path there? Looking back, it's a very simple and a very small deal, <laughs> but that's the way it always is, right? But at the time, it was massive. It's a 29-unit apartment complex. You're very familiar with it based on our conference a couple of weeks ago. And there were some twists and turns. There always are. This one had a single family home attached to it. And so we were really trying to do quite a different, a few different things with that. We were trying to carve it out at the beginning. There were some wires that got crossed with our lender. They didn't understand that. And we were in danger of not closing in the last couple of weeks. There were some major capex that the previous seller had to do that we thought would be a deal killer. We had five total amendments on that contract. And so it was it was a journey. De- definitely a lot to, to, to navigate without someone looking over your shoulder, I can imagine. Yes. yes. Yeah. Bernie, so in the beginning, I mean, how are you able to land deals when you're just getting started? Like what's what are your methods and how are you finding success? It's all about relationships. And I hate to to beat the drum and be cliche, but it really is. It is just about developing relationships with different people and going through all those doors, not despising any relationship. I, I think back to one time I was working in a financial institution and it was commission-based. And when the individual was talking about a third party, basically found out that they were not someone who was going to give them business, they kind of were very rude to them and said, you know what, not worth my time and so forth. And that is not the attitude that you can have in any business, but especially not in multifamily, because you never know what's going to come back around. You never know who's going to come back around. And so I would say that the answer is really developing good relationships. And our first deal, actually, we got from our property manager. So our property manager for our four single family homes, if I can back the train up just a second. Sorry, I'm a pastor. I like to talk. Basically, we had these four single family homes and our property manager recognized that we were getting into multifamily. And so they were going to manage this 29 unit apartment complex and it fell out of contract. The day it fell out of contract, he calls me up, said, Hey, Bernie, I know you're looking for multifamily. Would you be interested? I said, send me the financials. He sent them over. And that night I did the underwriting and I said, this looks like a great deal. And three days later we had it under contract. And so Brokers, yes, I have a relationship with brokers. I totally agree with that that route, but this one happened to come to me through property manager relationships. It's not the first time I've heard that. I remember Ed Hermson, I had on a podcast a while, but he got his first deal through property management. Also, as you're building your team, right, you come across the attorneys, the CPAs, your property managers, and sometimes you have an access to a deal. I love that. Now think about, you talk about confidence, and, and I don't want to gloss over this thing, because here you are, you're a pastor. People know you as a pastor, right? You're, <laughs> yeah. you're not... How much was the deal? What was the purchase price? $1.4 million. Yeah, they don't know you as someone who's capable of buying a $1.4 million anything. Nope. So what gave you the confidence to actually even attempt this? Okay. I mean, I know you had a single family house, but most people can sort of wrap you know, their head around the, and you're like, I know, I'm going to go get a mentor and buy a 29 plus unit apartment building. Like, what 
what hurdles did you have to overcome in your mind to kind of take action? Because a lot of people are paralyzed, right? They're like, they can't sure. believe they can do it. And so if I can't believe I can do something, as you know, man of faith, if I don't believe something, why am I going to do something? Because I have no confidence it's going to happen anyway. So what kind of gave you the confidence to basically move forward, even though you didn't have all the answers? I would say having support in your life is huge. And I guess this would be where I give my wife some great props here. <laughs> My wife, Leslie, we've been married now for 12 years, almost 13, and she was with me the whole step of the way. We were on board 100%. We did the single family homes kind of as a team. But then when we launched into multifamily, just out of necessity and our young kids, I kind of had to take the lead on that. But she has been my avid supporter and backer, and she, she just wrote me a note a couple of weeks ago. and. I was just really touched and she doesn't even know I was going to say this, but it basically, she said that you jumped into this business, not knowing which way was up and you're killing it. And I, you know, I don't know how to explain to you what that does to me as a man, just saying, Hey, my wife believes in me. And that was really awesome. And I have a business mentor and my boss, my pastor, my senior pastor, he believed in me and he's my greatest champion for capital raising. Let me tell you. And so just having those people in my life gave me immense confidence to move forward and take the risk. And then ultimately, I did feel that I was doing what God wanted me to do. And this path may not be the same path for every person or every pastor, obviously not. But I felt that I was doing exactly what God wanted me to do. And it gave me great confidence. Man, that's amazing, Bernie. So what role would you say that does your faith play as an entrepreneur? I think that my faith plays an immense role in that. There's a funny thing. I think people think sometimes that you divide your life into different buckets and you have a, a family bucket and you have a religious bucket and you have a, a business bucket and so forth. And my life is, I would say, is completely integrated. And I believe that that is the way it is supposed to be. You know, if you look into the Bible, the Word of God, I think totally, I can't be one face to one person and another face to another. And so my faith, my belief in God completely colors every aspect of what I do in a good way. It means that I believe that I have a moral imperative to be ethical in my dealings. It means that I believe kindness is more important than the next dollar. It means that even if something hurts me, if I say it or I give my word, then I'm going to go ahead and keep that. It means that my reasons for doing what I do are not ultimately rooted purely in personal or if I can say it, selfish reasons. I have a different motivation for being in this business at large. And so that's just the tip of the iceberg, probably a little more than you wanted, but there you go. So I'm really excited about our mentoring program because of the results that we're achieving for our students. It's really the only program out there that guarantees results, meaning that we can guarantee you're going to do your first deal in the first 12 months. And uh, no one else does that. And we can do that because we have figured out the blueprint to getting people to do your first deal. So if you value mentorship and you feel like it can accelerate your goals, allow you to scale bigger and avoid the expensive mistakes, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. You can, ch you can schedule a call with us there, a strategy session, and see if mentoring is right for you. That's themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor.
I think faith plays an important part with any entrepreneur. I mean, whether you are a person of faith or religious at all, entrepreneurship by definition requires faith because you're always stepping out in faith. You're always doing something without having all the information, incomplete or no resources at all. And so I, I think it's critical. Again, whether you call it faith or not, the principle, I think, is exactly the same. You're just shining a light on it. But I think every entrepreneur would, would agree that it always takes belief and, and faith to be able to move forward as well. Speaking of faith and, and moving forward here, uh, so we talked about how you found the deal and how you got support. It's great that you got support from your wife. And the other question that people are going to have is, Bernie, how in the world did you raise money for this deal? How did you make that happen? Yes. <laughs> well, I started the way everyone else does, I think, or most people, just reaching out to friends and family. And at some level, it is a hard sell. To this day, I have family members, I think, that believe that I am in some kind of Ponzi scheme or <laughs> uh, right? some kind of multi-level marketing. And I'm it's just called the syndicate. <laughs> That's You're right. in the syndicate. There's a mob <laughs> aspect, right? A mob <laughs> aspect. And so, I, and I'm just kind of flabbergasted. I'm like, I'm offering an opportunity to double your money. Yes, I get paid for that. I get compensated, but I, I just don't, I don't get it. But anyway, I have you know, you always have a few people that really do just believe in you. And so there were actually three investors, two of them pastor friends that said, we're in with you all the way. And they were in and they put their money where their mouth was. One of them was a hundred grand. One of them was 75 and one of them was 50. And so I had some big players right away. And then I threw in another 25 of my own. So if you count it, I, I raised quarter million dollars, my first deal. Um, nice. It was a small start. But I partnered with some great guys that were help, it helped me raise the rest of the capital. And so we closed that deal. And then my second deal- uh, Hold so on, I, let's not gloss oh, over okay, the partnerships. Ahead, you glossed ours, you, you raised a quarter million yourself, and then you partnered with a couple of guys to raise the rest. Okay, talk about how did you find these guys? How did you partner? What did they do? And how did you all make it work? Let's, let's finish the first deal first. Okay. <laughs> first- Surprise, I found my partners through my mentor, Drew Whitson. <laughs> and nice. so he has all the contacts. He actually helped me try to find several partners. I interviewed with several different groups and they basically said no, like they didn't want to work with me, which did not do very well for my confidence. But looking back, you know, they just weren't at the right place. Everyone goes in cycles. One guy just didn't have money, didn't have the capital. And the other guy, his group, the underwriting requirements were just different than what my deal was. And so no harm, no foul. But I, my third or fourth attempt, Drew says, Hey, I got a couple of guys that are kind of in your shoes, looking for their first deal. And I think they'd be a great fit. And so I know them, know their personalities, I work with them. And so he got us all together on a Zoom call. And we basically just had kind of an interview or a meet and greet. And didn't see any red flags. And we were like, okay, by faith, <laughs> let's work together and get this deal over the finish line. And I will say the guys are Steve Chan and Justin Elliott, and they've been phenomenal. I, I look forward to partnering with them again in the future. We don't have like an official business together, but I definitely want to partner with those guys. They bring a level of inspection and they bring some gifts to the table that I don't have. I'm, I kind of move forward without thinking sometimes and just like bull in a China shop and they bring a lot of wisdom and sometimes rein me back in when I need to be reined in. So it's, it's been a great, a great partnership. That's awesome. 
That, that's a very important thing. I would have been shocked if you had not joined venture because literally, I don't I can't tell. I can't think of a single person that has not joined venture in this business, and it's so powerful. First of all, yes. So you have access to deals, access to capital, but then you have access. You complement each other in different strengths, as you just pointed out as well, and that's why this business is so is so unbelievable. And it applies to so many different people's walks of life. So now you've done the law of the first deal, right? And did the law of the first deal kick in in some way, or did it take a really long time to do a second deal? It kicked in right away, but it took a long time. So both. It kicked in right away because all of a sudden I had in that market or in that submarket, I had credibility. And so totally worked. It took a long time for two reasons. One, as Drew says, I had deal fever. And so I had to have this deal and I really forced it, but we got it done. And it took a long time, honestly, because the seller was a bear to work with. And mm. I'll not give his name. I've actually forgotten his name subconsciously. I've put it out of my mind, <laughs> but it took us, I worked on that deal from November of 2020 until we closed in February of 2022. Holy, so, that, was a, that, was the, that was the first deal or the second deal? Second deal. The second deal. All right. Great, great, great. So the first deal was, well, was, was hard enough. And then, but you, November 2020 was almost right after your first deal, right? They, that you got on a contract? Yeah, we closed in the height of COVID in August 2020. And we were off to the races. And then about November, December, I started getting this deal come across my yeah. desk from yeah. several sources. And it was just exploratory at first, and I, I can't remember the timeline, but we had the thing under contract. We came to the wire two, three, four times. I was calling the broker. I was sending emails. We're done. Due diligence is over. Send us our money back. And they're like, no, no, we can, we can do this. We can do that. And it, it just stayed alive. And it stayed alive, but finally closed basically the 1st of February 22. What was the seller doing that made it so difficult? Or what was going on? He would say things that weren't true when we would inspect the property and vacancy was not as expected. There was a significant amount of CapEx that was not disclosed. There were units that were condemned and were not livable, according to the city. I forget what you call them, but they had code violations. That's what it was. They had code violations on them, active, and none of that was disclosed to us. And so it was just like one thing after another. And I, I have no clue if the, the guy just took his eye off the ball and was focused on other things or if he was really just kind of not upfront with a lot of things, but who cares? I mean, you never know somebody's motivations, but all I know is what were the facts. And your mentor was basically at one point, ah, just walk away from me. You're like, no, I'm not. I'm not walking away from this. <laughs> I would ask Drew periodically things. I kind of left him alone for this second deal and really tried to step out on my own. But he was he, he always responds to my calls and texts and he'll meet with me. Huge encouragement and a help. And so his mentorship continued even beyond official mentorship, if you will. And so he helped me walk through some hairy situations with that deal. That's pretty cool. So you got how much how much did, how much money did you have to raise for that one? That one we raised 1.5 million and I raised about 750,000 of that. And so how did you expand then your network? So you had a couple of pastoral friends and you raised a quarter million, put a little money in. Now you caught, you, you tripled it. Where did you go from there? And what kind of investor did you bring in from that point? It's interesting you ask that question. I have a very atypical investor. 
I honestly cater to people that are just like me, to pastors and full-time ministry workers, even missionaries that are living in foreign fields, or for just the common man. You know, it's very typical for people to raise money from high net worth individuals and really target them. I have nothing against that. I just chose to basically go the opposite route and say, I'm going to go to the poor man and I'm just going to trust God to bring the right investors to me. And so I have three or four investors on this deal that are at $5,000, which is a ridiculously low investment. But my heart is that they would see the value of real estate investment and in particular, multifamily syndication. And I think that I'm going to get back from those relationships through referrals and things like that. And that's what I saw in this deal. I had two pastor friends in my first deal. I had 15 pastor friends or their immediate family members that invested in my second deal. So word had already started to spread just organically, word of mouth. My champions <laughs> already were out there working for me. And that's how well, I was able to bring that together. What What is like your main message for these people when you go out and talk to them about what you're doing? My big message, honestly, is I call it, well, it's called stewardship. That's a common word. People understand that. But really, it's being a steward or a caretaker of the resources that you have. And again, rooting back to my faith. You know, Jesus said, he that is faithful in little, he'll be faithful also in much. Or he that has been given little and is faithful, I will also give him much. And not a direct quote there. Don't quote me. But, you know, the concept being that we need to use every resource that we have, time, energy, money, relationships for the greater good. And I would say that is for the cause of Christ and for the, the glory of God. And so all my pastor friends or their family members, I say, what are you doing with your money? Like you live in America. You live in the greatest nation on earth. You have access to incredible amounts of capital and deals. Why would you A, spend your money away? Or why would you not be invested and get greater returns and therefore increase your influence and your ability to go do good in the world? And so yeah. I really just appeal to their sense of stewardship and the responsibility that they have before God to, to use their resources well. Yeah, exactly right. Nothing better than multifamily. So that's awesome. So how many units do you have do you have now and how much money have you and your partners raised now to date? We'll skip over the next few deals. Okay. I actually only have the two deals hunting mm -hmm. for my third, but we have 105 units total and raised basically about a million dollars. So that's that's, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. What's your advice to anyone listening to this going, okay, man, I Back where you were in 2019, maybe I got a, a rental house or, or two, or, or maybe not. What is your advice to someone who wants to do what you've done? Do your first deal, do a second deal, covers your living expenses, and now you're set up for, you know, for the future. What, what's your advice to them? My advice would just be to commit and to keep moving forward every day. Again, they're just cliches. I hate, I hate that, but it is so true. If you're not all in and willing to put it all on the line in a sense, I can't guarantee success in, in, in many ways. Like you have to be willing to say, I'm in this to the end and then go for it. And then you have to be consistent. You can't be sporadic. There have been ups and downs in, in my consistency throughout the years, but by and large, I probably spend 10 to 15 hours a week on my real estate business and recently more focused on business development and lead generation. But 
I, I do that consistently. And then you end up seeing consistent results. And that's a pr- principle of life. Everybody knows it. Just apply it to the gym. You know, if you do one three hour workout a week, it really doesn't have nearly the benefit as you doing four, you know, 45 minute workouts a week. Like it's just way better for you to do things consistently and in smaller batches, I guess, than one huge monster day. I talk about consistency all the time. I think that's literally one of the, 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 the number one secret to being successful in anything in life. Are there any particular hacks that you use, especially in the beginning, as you were trying to pivot from whatever you're doing and, and, and making room for real estate investing? Is there any disciplines or practices that you use to start building up that consistency and that momentum? For the first deal, no, it was just all in. And so honestly, I put in way more than that many hours each week. And my wife understood. I mean, it was just, we got to do what we got to do up early, staying up late, fitting it in every chance I get. I basically didn't have days off. My days mm-hmm. off were devoted to real estate. And so it was just like, go, go, go for that first deal. When I inquired the second one, I kind of hit that wall that everyone hits, I guess, where they realize, okay, I, I have to manage multiple properties here and multiple assets. And how do I divide my time? And then I became really a disciple of putting it on my calendar. And I started living by my Google calendar and saying, mm-hmm. well, here's this block of time. I have to do this. Here's this block of time. I have to do this. And if it didn't fit in that block of time, then I basically didn't do it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to fulfill my other responsibilities as a husband, father, pastor, or anything. And so nothing too deep, but that's basically it. I just hard charged (laughs) until the first deal and then learned really the importance of scheduling and blocking my time. Bernie, it's it's been really fantastic hearing your perspective on the business from uh, kind of the field that that you've been in. I mean, it's, it's just amazing to hear all of this. How can people reach you? They can reach me. The best way is through calling or texting me. I'll, I'll answer directly, 619-971-1279. Or if you want to, you can email me at bernie at forgeequitygroup.com. And it's, B-U, it's B-U-R-N-I-E. It's B-U-R-N-I-E. Yeah, yeah. Better hire a VA because your phone's going to ring. Bernie, it's been really great to have you on the show. Awesome. It's been a pleasure being here. I, I'm so thankful you guys invited me. I think the the value we talked about aligning yourself and getting the right support early on. For for me, you you can learn something, okay? You can go through a course and learn the mechanics of doing something, and you have to. You have to learn anything you do something new. You have to learn the mechanics, the steps to get there. Maybe even have a blueprint. But the real value of a mentor, unlike a coach, a coach is kind of like a cheerleader. They provide the tools to help you overcome mindset issues. But the, the advantage of a mentor is someone who has done what you want to do. They have a certain experience and have done what you want to do. Therefore, they can help you overcome certain situations. And this business, as you well know, is so situational. I can teach you everything I know about multifamily investing. Okay. But when you get into a deal, you're going to come at a situation that you've never seen before. Even for us having to done, I don't know, a couple dozen, 30 deals by now, there are still things we have never seen before. It's unbelievable, which makes it interesting on the one hand. But this is what I'm saying. This is why a mentor is so is so critical, especially when a mentor has got 1,000 or 2,000 units. They've seen a lot of stuff. They haven't seen anything, but they can always put things in perspective. They can say, oh, you're overestimating. This is not really a showstopper. It just can be managed, right? You're freaking out over something. Or you're taking something very lightly and the mentor going, you know, that's a real big problem. I would, I would run away from this deal right now, let me tell you. And so this is why I do think that the value of a mentor in multifamily syndication is so valuable. And I think 
Bernie pointed that out as when he was working with Drew. I mean, there's all types of mentors out there, of course, just in general life. I have one that's YPO mentor. I'm in a, an organization called EO and they paired me up with someone in YPO. And that mentorship has brought me so much value on a consistent basis. You could, you're one conversation away from changing your whole trajectory, even of your life. If you find a principle or something that you, to live by or just a piece of knowledge that changes your perspective on the entire business, it could be one conversation. That's how powerful it is. So I love that. And I also love how he was kind of able to leverage the mentorship from Drew Whitson to understand that relationships are really what, what are winning deals. Getting in, involved and getting building those relationships and not burning bridges to be able to win those deals. Now, you might be thinking, man, this is way too much trouble, and, and maybe it is. If you don't want to do all this stuff yourself because it's so complicated, it takes up so much time, you might want to consider investing passively in one of these syndications. And if that's the case, we'd love to have a conversation. Our investment company is called Nighthawk Equity. Just go on, online and, and you click the join button to join our investor club. And with that, you can have a conversation and we can share some upcoming opportunities. That might be a good option for you if you don't want to get involved yourself. Otherwise, again, figure out how you can get the right level of support. And I think the one thing that Bernie said at the end is so important. In fact, I talked about it at Dealmaker Bootcamp, kind of in my clothes. I was like, man, how can I boil it down? He said it. Yes, you want to commit. You want to be all in. That is, that is critical. But once you're committed all in, it's like getting married. You can get married and make all kinds of commitments and promises. But every day you get up and you decide every single day. Do you still want to do this? And that's really called, you know, that's consistency. And that's what Bernie talked about. So for me, being consistent is everything. And I, I'm not a big believer in taking massive action. I can take massive action for short periods of time, one, two weeks, maybe a month. I can do a diet for 30 days. That's massive action. And then, of course, you know where that ends. What's much better and what Bernie talked about is being consistent, doing small things every single day. There's a great book called Atomic Habits. If you haven't read that one, it really talks about building up new tiny, tiny habits every single day until it become bigger habits. And that's really the key to success in anything you do, especially with syndication. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com slash vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.